Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Zone Star State Podcast. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me once again is Ishmael Johnson. Um, we're going live on YouTube and uh, Twitter, or X, however you want to call it, uh, for this instant reaction of Baylor versus Kansas. This will be up on our YouTube channel as well, um, as as well as the um, podcast platforms of Apple and Spotify. So if you haven't already, uh, check us out there. Ish, how are you doing tonight? We wanted to do a quick uh, recap of this one since you've been a little under the weather. Yeah, yeah, I had a, I'm dealing with some sinus stuff. Uh, it's weird, everybody either has COVID or the flu, and I get like sinus stuff, so I don't know. Something um, good, it's been cool. Um, I'm finally recovering. Um, and we're, yeah, we've had some games today. We kind of work, usually we record on Friday, you know, um, but we wanted to figure, we wanted to kind of do something a little bit different and kind of coincide with my uh, my recovery. All right. Um okay. So Kansas, uh, Kansas takes down Baylor 64-61. Uh, at the end, Jaden Nunn has a shot to tie the game. Uh, then Kansas misses the front end of a one-and-one, one, and they, they come down. Jacoby Walter has a three to tie the game, and they both miss. Kansas holds on, escapes. This game had a lot of layers to it, uh, a lot of different things I want to talk about and break down. Um, mm -hmm. I think – like the one thing throughout the entire game, I just kept thinking was there's no way Baylor's winning this game. Their offense looks too disjointed. Obviously, they end the game with 21 turnovers um, to 12 assists, and it just never felt like they're they were able to get in a rhythm. And because of that, I was like, all right, Kansas at some point's going to pull away. And they were up, you know, in the first half they were up 10, and then they had the uh, three point foul and the technical that cut it from 10 to five, and then. In the second half, Baylor hit back-to-back -back threes to cut from 12 to 6. So it just – Baylor made the plays to take advantage of Kansas not pulling away, and they deserve mm -hmm. a lot of credit for that, right? Obviously, you know, um, Nunn had had a few big buckets. Walter into a 17. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Cat's back. Uh, we haven't done an in-house podcast in a while. Yeah, there we are. Anyway. Um, <laughs> for those watching there, you'll, you'll see – um but yeah ease them to see we'll talk about a lot as well um and kansas was out was without kevin mcculler baylor um was without langston love who's been a lot better for them but overall like i said my general takeaway was it didn't feel like baylor deserved to win the game but then again kansas mm -hmm. never did enough to really pull away and establish itself so it was just two big 12 teams just throwing haymakers in in the middle of the ring and seeing what landed yeah, basically, was it me or did you also get the feeling that like Baylor let a lot of shots go, right? In terms of like yeah. on offense, like it seemed like they were really hesitant. I mean, they're they're I believe they're the second best best three point shooting team in the country, um, maybe the first tonight. Um, but I felt like they really let a lot of things uh, go in terms of pretty good looks. Um, ironically, it was two really good looks at the end that they missed, uh, like you mentioned with with Nunn and Walter. Um, but yeah, I, I, again, it's hard to take, it's hard to be critical when you, when, like you mentioned, like Baylor, you feel like Baylor shouldn't have been in a position to win this game. Then the fact that they are, then you add the fact that it's fog Allen. And so it's like, it's really hard to be like critical, similar of the TCU game, um, with Kansas and then the, the mm -hmm. Houston loss, right. There's been like all these things where it's like, there's that, there's a little asterisk to them, but when you are Baylor and you are kind of. You know, you're playing for resume a little bit, right? You've taken some losses, taken some L's, especially uh, dating back to last month, uh, January, you took a, went on a little bit of a three-game losing streak. And you're kind of looking to get these little, pad the resume a little bit, right? Um, 
So this one obviously is a heartbreaker, but I agree. I'm not too, I don't know how to take too much from this. I believe they're still, let me see, let me double check on this. I believe they are five and three right now with key one. Um, I believe they're projected, at least Torvik has them projected to go seven and seven overall, which again, it's the big 12. That's going to get them in. That's going to get them a pretty yeah. decent seed. Um, but yeah, it, it is, it, it's tough. If you're Baylor's, you saw a game like this, especially after the game there in the week, which we can talk a little bit about where we saw them. I thought they played Texas tech really well. Um, mm-hmm. They didn't play their best game and I still thought they played Texas tech really well. So I can see where the disappointment is, but I'm with you. Like it's one of those like asterisk moments where you're like, I don't know, man, like you, you, you kind of saw everything you wanted to see from Baylor. And then you add the fact that you're just playing, you know, the best home court advantage in the country. And yeah, a, 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 a literally a shot didn't fall your way at the end. And there's like there's a lot of these games in in the Big Twelve, right? We we talk about it every year. I mean, Kansas State mm-hmm. they went to overtime with Texas. They lose um, at the last second. Tyrese Hunter, TCU they go triple overtime with, and now Kansas they lose by three. Like the, their four losses in conference play have come by what a combined three, five, nine, twelve points. So mm-hmm. that that's the margins that you're playing. Their only with. double digit loss was that weird game against Michigan State, which I mean, yeah. I at the time I said that. I'm throwing that game away. I don't know what the hell happened there. Yeah, yeah. So we don't count that game. They're, they're, all their losses this year are like by eight or less points. And mm-hmm. you, uh, like you mentioned, you were able to be there in person and watch them play Texas Tech earlier this week. So now you have two games of context um, mm-hmm. watching Tech and Kansas. And I don't know. It's okay. They talked about it a little bit on the broadcast. You're right. They're currently third in the country in three-point percentage, 40%. <clears throat> But in conference play, they're only shooting 33.2%. They're seven. Right. And it's it's felt different. Like it felt like they're having to really muck, not muck up the games, but they're having to like pull these games out in a little bit uglier fashion. They're having to be a really good offensive rebounding team and just rebounding in general, which they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're relying a little bit on like Eves Massey. They're re- relying on Jacoby Walter. I don't right. I was thinking in my head, it's like, is Ray J. Dennis kind of underwhelming a little bit uh, in, in conference play. And I say that he had 21 points against Texas Tech. I understand that. but And he's had yeah. really good games. But there have just been some, like, inconsistent performances. And, in, like, the Texas game, he had two. Kansas State, seven. And then it's, like, it's just been a little up and down. And so today was obviously one of those down games. He had four fouls, six turnovers, eight assists. It's just mm-hmm. kind of everywhere with him sometimes. Yeah. No, I, I... – I kind of have been. I mean, maybe that's because we had, me and you in particular, had yeah. really high expectations yeah. for, for him this season. We thought he would be, you know, I think I had him on the first team, preseason team when 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 mm-hmm. I did the magazine. Um, and, you know, I always, I usually consult you pretty heavily too. And so, like, we were both like, yeah, no, why wouldn't he be there? Um, in conference, he has definitely taken a dip, right? He's averaging 13 and six and three turnovers. So it's two for one, right? Um, when it comes to assist turnovers. He's averaging also three fouls a game, right? Just under three fouls a game in about 37 minutes on 43% from the floor and 34% from three. So not bad from three. You wish he was better from the floor. Obviously the playmaking, it's a little is what it is because he has the ball in his hand so much. So I'll I'll, I'll put it this way. I don't think it's it's a coincidence that his dip has also coincided with Baylor's dip, I think, offensively as a whole, right? Yeah. there was a I was talking um at the during the tech game when tech went up, well, they looked really good in the first half. Uh and and I was watching the game and I'm like, 
I don't know what Baylor could be doing differently. Right yeah. at halftime, Tech was up. And I was like, I don't know what they could be doing differently. Tech's just hitting and Baylor's not. And then I was like, is the halftime talk just like, just keep doing what you're doing? Yeah. And then sure enough, they just kept doing it and they ended up winning uh, pretty comfortably. So like, I don't, it's a very weird thing to watch. I think Baylor fans are kind of seeing that too, where it's like, okay, these are good looks and like, they're just not falling. Are we like, did they just start the year so hot? that like yeah. it wasn't sustainable to what they actually maybe are offensively or I don't know. Is it something that's, is it something different in the first half in the second half of the season? Cause yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of baffled too. Cause I watched the, I watched the team and I watched them, especially in the half court. I'm like, there's a lot of stuff here. Like there's a lot of good stuff here. It's mm -hmm. not like, it's not like a Houston game or a Texas game or a, a Chris Beard, Texas tech game where you just watch and it's like, Oh, no one's doing offense for like, yeah. you know, five minutes. Um, you see them doing stuff and you see them really like Eves Massey, like we can talk about him in a bit. You see him kind of activating a lot in the inside. And then like, I, I don't know, it's, it's going to be a confusing thing. Cause like, this is, it's gone from, oh, this is a bad stretch, to now this is just probably what they are in conference, right? We're mm -hmm. halfway through conference, and they're still shooting pretty poorly um, from three compared to the rest of the season. So I I don't know. Like, it really is something to watch. I thought I would get a better answer seeing them in person, and I didn't. <laughs> Against Tech, yeah. I was like, these are good looks. I don't know what's happening. Ray J. Dennis, to cap that point, is 17th in the country in assist rate, 36.8%. Nobody else mm -hmm. on the team is over 10.7%. I'm sorry. 14.4% Jaden Nunn, and then it drops down to Jacoby Walter. Like those are the top yeah. three creators, Ray J. Dennis, then uh, Jaden Nunn, and then Jacoby Walter. And Jacoby Walter is not a creator. So it's like Nunn right. has to play that complimentary role. And I was, you know, I was question, uh, questioning his ability early on. I, we, I haven't talked about it, but I've been thinking it for a long time. Langston Love's emergence has been huge for this team mm -hmm. as far as their depth yeah, and their rotation 100%. in the backcourt. But it's just like to your point, it's all Ray J. Dennis in terms of creating and for everybody he else. He didn't play tonight. He he came off uh, yeah. a little hobble against Texas Tech. Yeah. So um Langston Love doesn't play. Ray J. Dennis struggles. And now you're like, all right, if Ray J. Dennis can't create for you, where are you going to get the sh the the creation for others? Because we know they have some guys that can create for mm -hmm. themselves. But creating for mm -hmm. others is is something that's a, it's a learned skill, and they don't really have that. Um, let's talk a little yeah. bit about Eismacy because it, this man. is the dude. Well, look, if y'all are if y'all are listening or watching for the first time, Ish and I have been since early in the season. What I don't remember which game it was. Uh, heck, it might have been mm -hmm. Auburn game one. I think it was Auburn game one where he I, caught. I think I think it was game. I think it was literally game one. Yeah, <laughs> like literally game one. It's like okay, this guy's a first round NBA draft pick to me. Like he <laughs> yeah. is, checks the boxes. He's a little raw, but he's getting there he's rapidly improving and uh today goes against hunter dickinson and you know dickinson scored a bit especially in the first half but uh eves Massey was fantastic 21 points six of nine shooting nine of 12 at the free throw line especially late mm -hmm. get those ones to keep them in the game and give them a chance two blocks um eight rebounds uh i just thought he was an, it was another really good game from him Kim Pom has him as the mvp of the game so that's how good he was. I, yeah, no, like fittingly so. Um, I believe in conference he's up to ten points, five rebounds, uh, just about just over a block a game. And I mean, you're starting to see him pop up in, in lottery mocks, right? A lot of NBA mocks drafts. We we, you know, he by December he was already well comfortably a first round pick. 
But now you're starting to see that, okay, here's the, here's the continued upside. Here's a potential lottery pick, potentially top 10 pick. We'll see because if – I mean, there's a good chance Baylor goes into the tournament with two top 10 picks, right, Ooh. in Walter and Yzma C. Yeah. And as we know around that time, that's when those type of guys – you that's when you need those type of guys, right? Like we know, we know Scott Drew can coach his ass off. And so we don't have any issue about coaching in tournament time, but then it comes down to that extra little bit of star power. And we've seen time and time again, March where the, this guy that not everybody's too familiar with, right? A lot of people know about Jacoby Walter, but like mm-hmm. not, as, not as many people know about Yzma C and kind of what he's able to do. Um, they look at the numbers like, okay, it's decent. But then they realize, oh wait, he reclassified. So he's technically a high school senior, you know? Like, And yep. so like, there's a lot of different things. And then the March just kind of brings out those kind of performances and those kind of, those kind of like uh, uh, cult of personalities. So I, I mean, he, he like you mentioned, going up against Hunter Dickinson, the other probably the probably the first team all Big yeah. Twelve big in in the in the conference, and he held his own. He had a block on him. He had another block just at the uh, I forgot who was laying up the rim, but uh, he went over Ray J Dennis and like like Eusma sees like even extending over yep. Ray J Dennis and like gets the block, and it was like oh my god, this guy is this guy's incre- every every game it's something new, and it's. Um, this wasn't not all him, but Hunter Dickinson after getting that hot start, I think he had 13 in the first like I don't know, 12 minutes, ends the game with yeah. 15 points on six of 16 shooting. And um, yeah. I mean a lot of that's Eason C. And going into the season, we we're like, all right, you have Eason C. Uh, he was like the afterthought to us because I mean we didn't know sure. a ton about him. Like you said, he reclassified. It was Josh Ojanwuna was gonna have to take a step forward, and Jonathan Chamochacha was gonna have to come back off injury. Uh, those mm-hmm. two combined to play 11 minutes tonight. I was like, about to say they they've just told JTT man have fun you you, you can chill on the bench buddy we we Udonis Haslam this thing and no disrespect year, yeah. to JTT but like because we know how great a hey, player you, need the, OG, you need the OG on the bench sometimes but you are the OG right now um and yeah. even the C is the Bam Adebayo right now that this team needs um he's been tremendous um so yeah he's MVP of the game. Uh, just tremendous player. Like you said, he's someone in March that people are going to learn a lot about. Uh, he's currently shooting 60% from the field in conference play. Uh, he's shooting 66 from the line in, in uh, his conference 40, play, which is his better. His 40 right now is 16 and 8 and yeah. uh, on two blocks. So, Monster. yeah. Monster. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, I think that's as far as like individual – individually analyzing this game that's where i would go i don't do you have any big mm-hmm. takeaways on jacoby walter i i don't think i do like they were sloppy in the backcourt dennis had six turnovers walter had five um right. oh, like they had turnovers but yeah it was just an ugly game in general i don't know if i have too many takeaways of jacoby walter here no i don't either um i mean he, he is he is who he is right we mentioned that he's not much of a a playmaker. And I think I mentioned that when, when we talked about Baylor at the beginning of the year, we were like, you know, the difference between like one star freshman and him to last year's and Keontae George. And I was like, that's the difference, right? It's like Keontae George is more of a fluid, I'd say polished basketball player. And Jacoby Walter, we're seeing Jacoby Walter, the difference is I think on defense, obviously he's better on defense. Um, yeah. I think he's a better shooter, not necessarily a better score. I think a better shooter. Yeah, catch um, and shoot. But Keontae George could playmake, right? He could handle the ball a little bit. So I think we're seeing the differences now, um, but it's nothing new. So at least to me, it's nothing new or nothing that I didn't expect. Do we leave this game? I mean, they're now six and four in conference. 
Yeah. I don't leave this early on in the game when they again, I thought they were going to get blown out at some point. I really did. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. well, they're going to get blown out. Um, you know, Kansas blew out Houston. I was about earlier. to say they started what it was like 12 4 or something earlier. Yeah. I was like, all right. <laughs> like, is this just going to be Houston again, part two? Um, right. But that Houston game felt weird because Kansas hit all the shots. This game was different, mm-hmm. obviously, because Kansas couldn't hit shots. Um, mm-hmm. But the next three games for, um, Baylor is Oklahoma at home, West Virginia on the road, and, and BYU on the road. Three winnable games here. Um, I think the fight for Baylor comes. Where's I don't have Joe Lenardi's. I should probably just always have bracketology up here. Oh, but yeah, like again, know, right? they're they're gonna be fighting <laughs> between I assume like a three and four line, right? They're, have a four, um, they're at a four right now. Yeah, so they're at a four right now. So again, they'll be fighting between that three and four line, and I do think that is significant. Um especially in today's college basketball landscape where every team seems like it's as good as one another in the top 25. Um, right. I think it would be, it'd be huge to get a three potentially. So um, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I was about to say, uh, just to, just to get, just to give a, a discuss a context to that, you know, right now, if they were a four, the fives that would be in their range would be Creighton, San Diego state, South Carolina and FAU. Right. Yeah. So that'd be basically the second round matchup. Now, if they yeah. were to get a three, all of a sudden that goes to Colorado State, that goes to a struggling Kentucky team, that goes to Oklahoma, who they've beaten, that goes to BYU, who they've, you know, like, so it's like, yeah. that is a big difference, actually, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is, oh, sorry, they haven't, the, beat, they, I know they lost to BYU, but, but you get know what I'm saying? Yeah. This still, um, yeah, that's going to be interesting to watch. And this is going to be the last month of the season always turns into bracketology time when we talk about these top teams, and that's what it's going to sure. be for Baylor. So, um, yeah, anything else on Baylor? Did you, uh, did you see the Houston game? I was about to say, did you see the oh, Houston game? Yes. Yes, yes, I did. So, I, I watched a decent amount of it, yeah. How – I'm wondering, because I remember after the, after the Kansas loss, I said I'm not going to take too much into that. I mean, mm-hmm. I said it was disappointing, but, like, you put it in a bag and you compartmentalize it. Yeah. Cincinnati kind of did some similar things with the versus that defense. And I'm wondering how much of that now is like, is that again, a blueprints, the, again, blueprints, everybody can have the blueprint, but not everybody can execute it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a lot of getting that simple pass off the screen to kind of beat the blitz. And it was a lot of like, it was a lot of short rolls and things like that. Like it was, I don't know. So again, Cincinnati went down early and so they were down, I think double digits and then Houston kind of stopped scoring. And so that's when the comeback kind of came. So like, was it more Houston letting them back in the game or was it more that Cincinnati figured out the defense and how to kind of like needle at it a little bit? Um, I don't know. In the end, Houston ends up winning. So like, you know, it's still a win for them. Like, you know, no issue. Um, They won, I believe, uh, 67-62. Um, on the road so again good win for them but i'm just wondering like after the kansas game i remember mentioning like oh, i don't think it's anything major but giving up a huge lead and then having a battle back to, against cincinnati i'm i'm side-eyeing it a little bit that was it was a funny game. i did not watch all of it i watched a good amount of it though um mm-hmm. juan roberts um was fantastic cincinnati's like a friend mentioned on the broadcast they're like a miniature version of houston uh, in a way, with their, a I think they're eighth in the country in offensive rebounding. They're real physical. They don't shoot a high percentage. Uh, so this was really uh, the, that point guard, that freshman point, uh, Jizzle James is like 
have yeah. like an insane. He only had like ten points or whatever, but he was like going off. He gave yeah. he gave Jamal Shedd some work. Uh, it wasn't it was he didn't pop off for like thirty, but it was like you can tell Jamal Shedd was having to work a little bit. Uh, well, the funny thing about him on the perimeter. Yeah, the funny thing about this game um, is Jamal Shedd ends with sixteen points and goes six of twenty five from the field, and I think like three of those buckets came like in succession in the second half to help them like kind of pull away a little bit. And you're like, Oh, Jamal sheds heating right. up. And it's like, no, no, it's, no, yeah, it wasn't his, wasn't his game, but they, they kind of needed yeah. it. I mean, him and Roberts combined for 40 shots out of the 69. And uh, again, we're waiting for LJ Cryer to really, if like, that's probably the crux of where, when we talk about this team's limitation is like, mm-hmm. all right. And we've, we've covered this before, but it's like, is LJ Cryer ever going to be that reliable number two guard? I mean, Emmanuel Sharp, I think, has been the more reliable player and the better player mm-hmm. than LJ Cryer to this point in the year. Um, but if LJ Cryer, he played 17 minutes and he was two of seven from the field and it kind of falls in line with what he's been doing all conference, is he ever going to be that player to to help Shed out? Because Shed just does not seem like he trusts anybody right now. Yeah, there's a uh, there's a there's a bunch of Baylor fans who are probably like, hmm, interesting. <laughs> Just kind of like as they as they hear the LJ Cryer uh, discussion. Um, by the way, thirty five percent from the floor, thirteen points a game, two assists uh, for for LJ Cryer. Um, I, I mean, I kind of agree. Like, it looks like Jamal Shedd kind of takes everything on his shoulders right now. Um, Emmanuel Sharp has not been. It, it, He's asserting himself because he has to, but he hasn't exactly been the most efficient doing it. Yeah, uh, I believe he's shooting also below thirty-five percent in conference. I still think that that's probably their best bet, just in terms of like all-around play, in my opinion, uh, as as the next guy. Um, but I feel like last year was kind of more the role he's built for, which is I think that third guy, or the, or yeah. even that fourth guy, um, yeah. because of course they had Jarris Walker and Marcus Sasser last year. So again, maybe he's a year away from being a secondary guy like that and they hoped crier would be the secondary guy this year um but yeah it's the offensive stalling was a little bit of a was a little bit of a, a throwback to previous years where we kind of saw houston we're like ah, oh, there's that you know half court struggle again um well, except this year they just don't have the firepower to you know to, to weather that a lot of the times yeah um well they are it's i, I you click on their ken palm and you go to conference mm-hmm. only and it's like all right all of everything we just said is confirmed, right? Where they're shooting their 11th sure. in the conference and effective field goal percentage. They're not great at in the two point range. They're last in assists per game. Um, they're nothing really stands out, but then you see their second yeah. in efficiency overall. And it's obviously because of the rebounding turnover percentage. Right. Like they're, they're at least getting a shot up and they're going and hunting mm-hmm. the ball every time. And that's, that's what they are. That's what Texas A&M is. Uh, that's what mm-hmm. a lot of teams are in college basketball right now. So, Houston is going to continue to find a way. Um, that's a. I still think that's a really good win for them on the road. I know you said that. Oh yeah, 100%. But, um, to get that win on the I road, I believe they're Houston. they're a half game up. They're a half game up on Iowa State right now. Um, for first, Iowa State Kansas, beat right? TCU. Uh, they're, they're a. They're a, they're no, a Kansas one. They're one four. game up on Kansas. Oh yeah, no, Kansas. Yeah, Kansas is four. Yeah, my fault. Yeah, because they lost to Kansas State. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they they're one game up on Kansas, half game up on Iowa State, who beat TCU today. Um, so yeah, I mean, again, they're still in the driver's seat, right? Who do they have? I don't know who they have coming up. Texas, ooh, they have. I mean, it's the Big Twelve. Obviously, every game's a tough stretch, but Texas, Iowa State, Baylor. So well, the, the first two are at home at least. Sure, sure. And this yep. is a lot better team at home than it is on the road. 
Well, every yeah, team in the country is better on the ho- at home than on the road this year. It's I mean, particularly the I mean, particularly Houston. Like they haven't been really tested at home, really at all. Like like yeah. the Texas overtime. Oh no, not even Texas overtime. That was uh, that was on the road. Uh, they haven't been tested at home, like at all. So like they're honestly in the conference outside of Kansas. Like this is the probably the best home team in the Big Twelve. Look at this. I saw this on Twitter. I'm I'm kind of I don't know. Do you have anything else specifically on Houston here? No, no, that, that was it. I just want to touch on that because that was the yeah. other game. Dude, I saw this on Twitter. I'm gonna share my screen real quick. Um let me find it. Unranked t- teams at home against teams ranked in the AP top ten. Okay. Are currently or at least going into today, I believe. The unranked Whoa. teams were winning 53% of the time. Look at these other games. Look at these other years. Yeah. Yeah. It's been an incredible trend. Like, what the hell? It's been an incredible (laughs) trend this year where the un like if you're at home, like the unranked home team has been killing or not only killing, but beating the the top ten. That's that's a great I mean, that's 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 a winning percentage. Like that's insane. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's never been seen before. So um yeah this is the times we live in like we said uh where these home games or these away games are not to be taken for granted cincinnati um definitely um makes it challenging all right okay oh, I went this way. all right anything else uh no that was it uh i think texas won as well good job they're continuing yeah. their they won by like 40 <laughs> Yeah, they destroyed West Virginia, which feels like every like feels like West Virginia and Oklahoma State are everybody's get right game this year. <laughs> um in some in some variation. Uh UCF <laughs> seems to be is, is pretty good. So like I can't really put them in that conversation anymore. Um but yeah, it looks like West Virginia and, and Oklahoma State are everybody's uh yeah. get right. I think tech like they're up to four and five right now in Q1. Uh they're projected to finish five and eight. Probably enough to sneak in, you know. Yeah. Um so yeah, I mean, again, they got Houston coming up next week, so that'll be massive. They played them really well at home. If they can play them close on the road, you know, we'll see. Yeah, um, West Virginia's three wins in conference have been at home against Texas, Kansas, and Cincinnati. So, that of course, continue. of course, they got. Of course, they. I forgot they beat Kansas. Of course, they did. Again, speaks to the home road <laughs> disparity right now. Right, right. in college basketball. Um, oh, all right. Awesome. All right, that's, that's all we got for y'all today. Um, hope y'all enjoyed it. Uh, if y'all are watching live, thank you for joining us. Again, you can follow us um, on Twitter uh, at DCT Basketball, at Matthew Bruni underscore, at Ishmael R. Johnson. And if you are have not checked out our YouTube channel, um, check us out at um, – I don't even know. What is it, Ish, at this point? Uh, is oh it just God. Dave Campbell's? DCT Basketball? Is it DC Basketball as well? Yeah, I'll share my screen. I'll share my screen so we have it. It's just Dave Campbell's Texas basketball. There so, we go. It's a lot no, simpler than I thought. Dave Campbell's Texas basketball. There we are. So, um, yeah, if you haven't checked this out, check us out over there. Weekly podcast every Tuesday and Fridays. Um, and, yeah, we'll be back later in the week, like I said, probably Tuesday, to recap more of this weekend's games. And we go into smaller schools as well. We got AM up on Tennessee right now. I got that on screen on the screen. So okay, 42-28 AM. So there you go. AM trying to make a push right now. Them. Yeah, yeah. AM trying to make a push. Them. See if we believe it or not. Currently a 10 seed. And uh, on Lenardi's bracket, they're a 10 seed playing seven seed, Texas. 
Hell yeah. Last Hell year, yeah. last year they put them in the same region, but they but and and did said, not nope. honor that part of the agreement. They said, "Nope, we're we're not letting that happen this year. You're playing each other. We're losing to Penn State." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nope, we're no hiding it this year. So, all right, uh, but yeah, we will talk to y'all later.